Well, hello and welcome back to A Pint With Peter. It's been four months break, but we're finally back. Four and months? Yeah. Four weeks or so. Oh, four weeks. Four sorry, weeks. sorry. Yeah. It's the hottest day recorded so far. I think the heat's getting to me. But uh, Chris, did you have a fun little fun little break? did. It was a very nice break, apart from escaping hurricanes. Well, otherwise, it was very nice. Yeah, because you were in New Orleans, weren't you? I was. It was it's hotter than this, but there's lots of air conditioning, so... That's why I, uh, I can't stand this yeah, right now. Yeah, condition nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And then, Dad, did he, you enjoy the break? Did you spend it getting everything ready? I've been, yeah, it's, it's a very useful exercise for me because um, obviously these events were yeah, more than half a lifetime ago, so it gave me um, an opportunity to uh, rummage through my brain cells and. Uh, I've actually found it quite interesting in, in locating other uh, accounts of the hippie trail. You know, there, are, there are quite a few on the internet, and I've even thought of uh, putting, a, a, putting up a couple of postcards in, on the local uh, village notice board asking if anybody um, had uh, enjoyed a similar experience. Funnily enough, I was in um, a cafe in Pithwelly, recently and uh, a guy came walking through the door I mean he really stood out he was like a sadhu you know what a sadhu is it's an Indian holy man they kind of wander around naked covered (laughs) in in white uh, painted designs um, long well they never cut their hair and uh, this guy looked just like uh, the bloke I actually went to India with and uh, I, you know, as I'm like, I'm going to talk to anybody. I noticed he had, um, what gave the game away, he had a Royal Enfield t-shirt on. Royal Enfield is, is a motorcycle, and uh, when I was a lad, motorcycling was very popular, and around that time, you, you had the Royal Enfield bikes. And what happened was, uh, they sold the, um, you know, the copyright, if you want, to making the bikes, and they're made, I think, still in India. And, Unfortunately, it, it wasn't my old friend, and uh, <laughs> I, I got it right because he had been to India, and he had been to India in the last few years, but it, but it, but it wasn't him. So I would have loved to have talked to him, but uh, I didn't want to um, ruin, his, ruin his lunch, but it was, it was interesting. But um, it's great you're kind of here today, uh, and we're, we're sitting drinking beer, and it's swelteringly hot because um, last time we were chatting uh, I was uh, I guess waxing lyrical about Afghanistan and uh, waxing uh, lyrically about the Afghan people and the Afghan way of life and um, sadly Afghanistan for most people on the hippie trail would have been uh, a clear staging post. It was the place where people decided to stay, and actually, it was uh, for some, for a variety of reasons. It was it was as far as they got. Uh, and if you remember me telling you about the German guy Klaus, Klaus from Munich, and and incredibly his little dog Pipo. Yeah, I will always remember Pipo. Uh, Klaus and Pipo. Um, and maybe they'd both been traumatised by the journey so far. I mean, the dog did get quite a kicking, particularly in, in Turkey. Uh, Klaus decided to stay in Kabul. <laughs> so Klaus 
said a fond farewell and, and we set off on a rickety bus and we headed, um, as you know, for the Khyber, for the Khyber Pass with a view to passing through Pakistan. Okay, this is where we left off last and time. This is, this into... is where we left off. Now, I'll have to give you a bit of context here. Um, the Hippie Trail, as it, as it existed then, you uh, kind of ambled through Turkey. You know, that would have been quite interesting. Um, you not exactly sped through Iran, but uh, you kind of got through it as quickly as you possibly could, although I, I personally didn't have any particularly bad experiences. It wasn't a place where, rightly or wrongly, you wanted to stay. Afghanistan, you know, up there, 7,000 feet up in the mountains with the lovely Afghan people, it, it was a place, I've just said, where people would want to stay. Now, Pakistan, well, I think... You know, you're talking the early 1970s here. I don't want to give you guys uh, a history lesson, but um, Pakistan uh, was made, it was formed in, in 1947. So it, it was, you know, a couple of years after World War II ended. And uh, why it's worth talking about is because Pakistan, I don't know if, if this is apocryphal, but I think it's right. If you go on the internet, you can check it out. Um, Pakistan, the word Pakistan is an, an, an acronym. Because Pakistan, uh, following what's called the partition in 1947, basically... Uh, yeah, literally lines were drawn on maps by unthinking kind of British bigwigs and really it, it, was, it was an attempt to separate out principally the Hindus and the Muslims. So the Muslim people went to mainly West Pakistan and incredibly, I haven't, I haven't got a globe here, but incredibly you had West Pakistan here then you had a thousand miles of India and over here you had East Pakistan. Huh. Yeah? Which is really which is really bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, the people yeah. who the people who mainly uh, lived in what was then West Pakistan when I went there were, were Punjabis. Yeah? Whereas yeah. the eastern uh, Pakistan people were a different group, but they were still Muslim. Um, fortunately I was there just before it happened, but um, West Pakistan fell out with East Pakistan and the West Pakistan government sent over uh, troops and they invaded East Pakistan. And there was a war, if you want a civil war between the two countries. Uh, it was incredibly bloody and you had the usual atrocity exhibition, all sorts of awful things happened. And after that, East Pakistan became... Bangladesh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, so Pakistan, uh, all these boundaries you've got, all these borders between India, Kashmir, Nepal, blah blah blah, they actually don't mean such a lot because uh, Pakistan is made up of Pashtuns, hence the PA. K is Kashmiris, yeah, or the Khyber region, if you want. North, it's northwest frontier. If you ever watched that awful Carry On film, you know, uh -huh. Carry On at the yeah. Khyber, it's that area. <laughs> it's the one I've not seen. Yeah. The I apparently 
stands for Islam, but you'll, you'll have to check this out. Um, the S stands for Sindh, and the TAN stands for Baluchistan. So what you've basically got, the Pakistani nation, is the stitching together. Is anybody Pakistani listening to this, by the way? Mm -hmm. I hope I haven't got any of this wrong. So, so what you've got to remember is um, we, we were passing through a country as Brits uh, that was barely uh, a quarter of a century old. So, I mean, I, I have to be honest with you, uh, I, I was quite surprised that we didn't get any hassle because we, we didn't get any hassle, to be quite honest. I was racking my brain cells and I couldn't think of any particularly negative experience in Pakistan. Uh, Do you mean hassle in like a racial way or yeah, like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. sell I mean, things to I mean, yeah. you know, we're trying to uh, make this podcast not too serious, not too heavy, man, as people used to say back in the 70s. Um, but, you know, you could have a whole podcast on it. But what you would have seen in the 1970s, as far as I perceived it, uh, Islam hadn't been politicised, yeah. So you won't you won't get getting people shouting at you because you were a Christian or mm. or a Western invader or anything like that. Um, and don't forget, um, for somebody like myself, I, I'm from the West Midlands, as you know, and the West Midlands was you know like like London and like many um, urban areas uh, I, I, you know I didn't exactly grow up with went to school with a lot of immigrant kids but in, in the Midland town I came from there were quite a lot of immigrants and, and I only mention this because the great majority of immigrants in the West Midlands at the time would have come from the Punjab. It would have come from the from from the Punjab. So uh, I'll mention it to you later. But you uh, you could be uh, in the middle of Pakistan and you you could meet people who'd have a. I'm not going to try a Brummy accent, <laughs> Montalbi not to. You could meet people who knew the bull ring, you know, and had been to Litchfield Cathedral. I mean, even back then, it was it was. It was uh, a small world. And immigration from Bangladesh, uh, East Pakistan, that, that was more of an 80s thing. That was much more of an 80s thing. And of course, you know, when, when I was uh, growing up in the Midlands, you, you had quite a, quite a substantial uh, Afro-Caribbean presence. Um, it was in, just interesting stuff. But um, basically, oh, by the way, uh, if you... If you go back, I think, to podcast two, I think it was, when we met the, um, maybe they were gangsters, I don't know. <laughs> they were certainly maybe uh, on, on, you know, on the kind of borderline, sort of semi-legal. You know, the guys yeah. who were yeah, the car, ferrying the Mercedes. The, the Mercedes. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you know, we, be, we behaved like arseholes. I mean, had, had, we, had we have been... Uh, well behaved. I mean, they they were actually taking those cars to Islamabad. So, uh, suspect holds up a political map of Afghanistan and Pakistan, and shows Chris uh, a map. Uh, you can see there, Chris Kabul. So there's yeah. Kabul, and you can see Bora Bora, which probably are, we yeah, we must have passed within a couple of miles of Bora Bora. Yeah. Bora Bora is where uh, Osama bin Laden hid 
and uh, it's it's the place where the, I think the largest bomb in human history was dropped on his um, underground citadel in in the mountains. It was called a bunker buster. This bomb went about half a mile underground and exploded. <laughs> but um, you know, back then it's not so different now. Actually, you travelled from Kabul, you know, via the Khyber. Uh, you went via Peshawar, and then you went to Islamabad, and then basically you went to Lahore. And when, once you were in Lahore, uh, you were you were home and hosed, really. I mean, basically, for the hippie uh, traveller, Pakistan, with all due respect, it wasn't a place where you particularly wanted to tarry. You didn't want to stay there. Yeah. So what the basic idea, if you look at this, the distance from Kabul to Lahore, I think it's about 800 miles off the top of my head. It's something like that. Now, if you, I say, if you go on the internet, you, you can actually now, because there are motorways uh, in Afghanistan, courtesy of the Russians when they invaded, um, you can actually travel that in a day. Sure. I reckon you could travel if you had a decent car and, uh, you know, conditions were good. I reckon it's like uh, me driving up to see your sister in John O'Groats. You could pr you could probably, because the highways and things are so much yeah. better, you could probably do it in, in setting off early in the morning in a day. But, of course, back then, because obviously you're talking, you know, 40-odd years ago, um, hippies would give themselves probably three or four days to cross over over that part of Pakistan. Because if you look at it, it's what's called the Northwest Territory. And it's it's like the far north. It's obviously the north of the country. And it's, it's quite a narrow crossing yeah. place. Oh. Later on, um, I think from the mid-70s on, I think you did have something of a Pakistani tourist industry because you know the bottom line is I don't, I don't know how much you guys know about history but this area the river indus flows through it and i don't know if you remember your history lessons your ancient history but the indus valley uh thousands of years ago was one of the cradles of civilization so what what you can find in pakistan there are some really really interesting places to visit but of course I guess from the 90s onwards, unfortunately, uh, because of terrorism, people don't go there much anymore as a tourist. But Pakistan is, is a fantastic place. But what you're doing when you set off from Kabul, Kabul is 7,000 feet above sea level. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, if you go to the lakes, for example, I mean, how 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 high is Scuffle Pike and how high is Ben Nevis and how high is Snowden? You're talking a couple of thousand feet. You're talking maybe three thousand feet. But so what you're doing when you make that journey, you're moving from above sea level seven thousand to Lahore, which is about seven hundred feet above sea level. So. What's fascinating is you, you, you're actually moving through different tribal areas uh, which don't have any recognition for actual physical boundaries. Are you with me? Because the physical boundaries are artificial. Yeah. That's why uh, the Pakistanis and the USA have such major problems because 
at this point in time, terrorist activity, it, it, it ignores the borders because the, the tribes you're talking about live in Afghanistan and also live in Pakistan and the border is incredibly porous. It was an incredibly dangerous place even then. You know, you had, yeah. you had to be quite careful. So, following the Bulgarian brush-off, although we had a gun pulled on us and a knife pulled out, I didn't particularly have anything against Pakistani people. We took the detours and we paid the cost. Uh, uh, yeah. Did, did uh, you meet anyone that had problems on the crossing? Crossing into Pakistan? Yeah, like just like how what you were saying, like how it was quite a dangerous place, but you felt like you didn't get any hassle well, or to meet anyone. Well, I'm, I'm going to... I have thought about this. Um, I, was saying, I was saying earlier, with Afghani people, if you treated them with respect and, and you didn't do anything really stupid, uh, they would really take to you. Um, in this modern age, you know, hopefully... Uh, you know this podcast will be will be shared you know by a reasonably wide audience. Um, if you go back to those times, you found the occasional solo traveller. Uh, most people, like Barney and I, you travel in a pair. Um, it, it had be, it had begun then, but it wasn't big business. Uh, you 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 actually maybe in certainly seventy two, seventy three, seventy four, you could actually if you had the money, you could actually pay uh, pay pay. I don't know how much it would be, probably thirty quid or something in London, and you could catch what was called the magic bus. So later on in the seventies, I don't think it was running in seventy seventy one when I, when I was there. You could actually take the magic bus which was um they were like psychedelic painted buses that yeah, actually ran imagine. from london to to india yeah, yeah? Like... which was made i mean the way the way barney and i did it and you know i'm, I'm not proud of it or anything and i'm not kind of drawing any um credit from it but the, i you know i've i've called this if i wrote it up i'd maybe call it a back passage to india you know as yeah. a it was a kind of arsehole way to travel. It, yeah. it was a kind of bottom line, no, no pun intended. Um, it was quite rough. The way we did it was quite rough. But the, the way we did it, I think, I'm still talking about it 40 years on. Um, I'm going to say, I feel like it seems, I think it's probably more of a dangerous way to do it, but definitely the more you, you, You've got way. more stories out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you had to be careful. Yeah. Um, we personally, I, I was talking about this earlier, we personally, because you, you, the big problem you had was you, you carried cash. It was important you carried cash because you could, by dealing on the black market, which was everywhere, you could probably double or triple your money. You know, back in the day, the pound, or certainly the dollar, was very highly regarded. So for local currency, that's why you could start off in Britain with a relatively low amount, and you could probably triple it in, in real terms when, when you were travelling. Um, you also, back then, you can get them now, I'm sure, you had traveller's checks yeah. and banker's orders, blah, blah. But if you were, if you were ripped off, I, I personally, because obviously I spoke to hundreds of people uh, during you know the few months we were over there. Um, I, I never really heard of any violent attacks, you know, where people were you know really beaten up and and mugged. Um, 
but you, 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 the big thing there was kind of petty thievery, and uh, you know you had to really watch your bag, get you know on and off these buses and so on. You had to really be alert. Um, I'll talk about how we stayed alert a little bit later. <laughs> I think you know this is where the pterodactyls come in. But um, I was going to say amphetamines were mentioned in the last. Yeah, time, I'll come on to amphetamines <laughs> in a minute. Um, so you had to stay alert. You know, you had to have your wits about you. Um, unfortunately, it's what I was going to come on to, for if you want a modern audience, you would not see uh, a solo female traveller. I remember in Kathmandu, places like that, where you could fly in. Yeah, where yeah, you could fly yeah. in. You could fly in probably from the States to New Delhi or from Sydney to New Delhi and then catch a flight from New Delhi to, to Kathmandu. You would see... Dare I say it, chicks. <laughs> you, know, you, you would see the odd hippie chick. But you can probably go on the internet and find some pictures. Oh, but, you can probably find thousands. But there's, a, there's a really excellent um, account uh, by uh, an Irish guy uh, on the internet. And he actually travelled with his girlfriend. Um, and his girlfriend was you know, a reasonably attractive girl. And she had blondish hair. You see, if you're travelling in, in Southeast Asia, you know, somebody who's very pale-skinned and blonde, it, particularly back then, was a bit of a, an anomaly. Um, and if you read his account, although nothing terribly bad happened, uh, you know, travelling as a woman, unfortunately, you had to be doubly vigilant, you know, from peeping toms and being, you know, you know what I mean? Having a shower in a hotel and somebody's drilled a hole in the door. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, you know I mean? imagine it's like that even now in you, you, anywhere in the world. You have to be very careful. And, you know, this this couple at one point, they did actually have all their money stolen on, on the train. Uh, but what you guys have got to realise, it's hard, it's hard for you to imagine. Back then, if you had a problem and you were in... Uh, conceivably quite a remote part of Pakistan or India, you were in real trouble because there was no internet. I mean, it, it sounds almost prehistoric. What you'd have to do is you'd have to go to the bank or, or if you could go to the consulate and had a system of telegrams. Yeah. So you'd have to yeah. telegram home. So you could be sitting, waiting for your money, and it could be maybe a week or two weeks before anything came through. You just can't imagine it in this day and age. Now. Whereas now, obviously, you'd have a, an automatic transfer. Yeah, it's like I remember Charlotte, my sister, when she was in Australia, she had an issue with her card or something, and quick text to mum and dad down to Santander to sort it yeah, out. That's right. But back then, you know, there, there were. Um, I think. I think. I think. If you, I say, if you troll the internet, I mean, over the years, I mean, inevitably. Uh, people did go missing, and, and there probably were some horror stories, you know, serial killers in, in remote Turkey or whatever. But by and large, particularly in the early days, you know, if you were fortunate enough to travel in the late 60s or the early 70s, uh, it, was, it was relatively, relatively safe, and there, there wasn't anything political or, or religious being aimed at you. Um, anything... To do with Pakistan, unfortunately, it, it's synonymous with guns, as 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 in in Afghanistan. I mean, when you were in Afghanistan at night, you would often hear gunfire, but it, it wasn't necessarily hostile. It was probably just yeah, you know, like it's like it was like the Wild yeah. West. It, 
it really was like the Wild West. Um, there didn't seem to be any uh, controls. But gun-wise, gun um, linking the two things together, uh, ladies travelling alone and guns, the one lady I do remember who was travelling alone, and she was travelling in uh, Afghanistan and um, Pakistan, she was uh, the, the wife of uh, one of the... Uh, American diplomats in New Delhi, but she was middle-aged uh, and well wrapped up. But um, I remember taking a bus ride with her, and you know we were having a cup of chai, and uh, you know I, I said, you know, do you ever worry uh, about the danger? And she and she said, well, not. I've got this, and she just reached in into her purse and pulled out like a little pistol. <laughs> Like a der like <laughs> yeah, a derringer, yeah, which her husband had given her, and she probably had diplomatic immunity. Yeah, and I, and actually, um, again, I think it was in Pakistan. Um, I remember being in in a similar you know chai shop because we don't really drink alcohol, um, and a guy, but this time he he was showing off. He's probably showing off, and he was probably high. Uh, you know, there's a little group of us sitting around on cushions drinking tea, and he pulled out. Is this a local or a. No, no, a, this, is, a this, is, this is an American. American. This is an American. <laughs> and he pulled out his piece, and he was flashing his yeah. round. And that was like a Colt. That was like a Colt yeah. revolver. Yeah. Um, see, the thing is, the, you know, the border controls in these places, they didn't have metal detectors or anything like that. So. If you were so inclined, I mean, I told you in Afghanistan, I, I, I bought what was called a butterfly knife, yeah. which looked like a piece of, looked like a slide rule, but it was actually a blade. Um, things like flick knives and so on were ten a penny. Swords, scimitars, you know, Gurkha knives. Which does sound like the Wild West. Because it's, it's agricultural. Mm. You know, it's what some of this stuff. You know, like machetes, they obviously use for um, yeah, yeah. Till you know, in the fields. So. Is it? Is it? That's probably it's not a Sikh country, but is it the Sikhs? That... Well, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny you mention that because talking about racial um, mi a racial mix, um, the Sikhs. Uh, it's, it's a really good link, actually. The um, way we got from Kabul to Pakistan was on a bus. We, we were on a bus, yeah. uh, but the bus we caught in Pakistan, I can remember buying the tickets for the bus. The bus we caught in Kabul was, the tickets were sold to us by a Sikh gentleman, and the bus was Pakistani-owned. And what was interesting, the Afghan buses were, were generally really rickety, dangerous cobbled together kind of vehicles. This Pakistani bus, it was quite good. It might have, it might have even had primitive air conditioning. Oh, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't luxurious. But what you find in that area, it's really very interesting. Sikhs, uh, you can't generalise, but Sikhs generally are, are, the males are quite physically big. They're a warrior, they're a warrior class. And in that part of India, in the Northwest Territories, um, the Sikh, uh, not all of them, obviously, the Sikhs seem to control the trucking 
uh, they seem to own quite a few of the hotels and things like that. They're, they're obviously the business class, the mercantile class. And um, one of my great memories of being in Pakistan, or, or, strangely, is just out of the blue. Because um, don't forget, we would have looked quite weird to your average yeah, Pakistani. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, a Sikh gentleman, uh, you know, we shipped up, I don't even know where it was, and uh, he invited us back to his place. Uh, and the house was, uh, it was, it was incredible. It was like something on Arabian Nights. It had um, a long, beautifully green garden with, uh, you know, palm fronds and so on. And uh, it had a wonderful fountain in the middle of it and a little pond with, with carp in it. And we... We sat around eating and, and drinking with him. But the Sikhs uh, are, are big, and they're particularly big in India. And what I, what I didn't realise is um, when you just get into India, where, where you cross the border, you've got, uh, within, even within Pakistan, you've got quite a number of very important Sikh shrines and seek holy places, and when you, when you cross the border from um, you know into 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 India, you just I didn't go because I say it's like I was telling you about Israel, a bit of a moron really. Um, we were, I was probably twenty miles from Amritsar. Do you know, do you know what Amritsar? No, is? no, I was no I can't say it's where the Golden Temple is, which okay. is a really really you know it's 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 like the Jerusalem for for Sikhs. Okay, yeah, okay. So the Sikhs are are really spread about, um, but they are really uh, quite important people. Um, and I think I'm only guessing, but I I would say even today, although Pakistan is, is clearly fundamentally a Muslim country. I'd say the Sikhs are probably, you know, maybe three, five percent of the population. You know, it's not, these places aren't as homogenous as, as you want. And what, what's fascinating is you, you're moving from very, very high mountainous terrain, you know, 7,000 mm. feet. And as you move through, as, as you go through uh, Peshawar and Islamabad and Lahore, you're kind of moving down and... It's like a plain, and, and part of it is semi-desert. It's, it's quite a beautiful country, actually. Um, I was quite surprised. I was looking earlier. I mean, the, the, you know, the capital, um, Islamabad, now, you know, 40 years on, I think has a population of about 11 million. When we were there, I think it had a population of about 2 million. I'm only really mentioning that because obviously what you're looking at over time is is a place that really kind of exploded. Well, again, no, no problem. <laughs> um, but the the big thing was getting across the place. You know, you you you, you India it was like once you got to India, rightly or wrongly, it was literally like the Holy Grail. You know, you felt that you'd arrived. Yeah, yeah. The, the goal was India. Because don't forget, as I think in the first podcast we did, I was talking about the zeitgeist, you know, the spirit of the time. You know, uh, I told you about the Beatles going to India and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It was 
it was... Um, you felt like one, one of the cool kids. I guess so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, you kind yeah, of had yeah. the bragging rights when you yeah. went home. Oh, yeah. Well, it was funnily enough, you know, when, when, when I came back, um, yeah, it's, it kind of quietly gave you quite a lot of kudos. Um, but it's a bit like my granddad. It, well, it's obviously far from being an exact parallel. It's like my granddad um, coming back from the First World War. You know, he never really talked about it. And, and oddly, that's why it's quite interesting sitting here with you guys. Um, particularly when I, uh, you know, had to um, find um, an honourable profession and, you know, straighten myself out. I didn't mention it because... If you mentioned the hippie trail, for some people it would have had connotations. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the guy's a, a druggie or something like that, or you know, all those yeah. kind of things. Uh, probably were true actually. But get, getting <laughs> getting back to um, uh, dr drug consumption, if you want, you might need to edit this bit. Um, most people, when they were in Afghanistan, if you speak to anybody who is a bit of a doper. Um, Afghanistan had some of the best hash in the whole world. And I, I think that's why some people never moved from Afghanistan, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally, because the Afghan people uh, obviously smoke it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting because uh, in later years, uh, I had um, an Indian friend uh, called Raj Parasuraman, and Raj, Raj came from Bombay, and he came from quite a high caste family. I remember meeting him uh, many years later in Birmingham and uh, asking if he had any dope. And he, he looked down at me with a, a sneer and tremendous scorn. And he described it as a dirty village habit. Yeah, yeah it's um, something that the peasants did. I was going to say, see, like a bit of a lower class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in Afghanistan, you know, the, the men in particular would smoke it. And um, I don't know how much you know, maybe you'll have to edit this, I don't know. But the, the, the way you, you, you smoke dope that, back then was using what's called a chillum. And uh, these, a chillum is, is a beautiful tulip-shaped pipe, or it was then, made of... You see, the, the big thing you could, you, you could get in Afghanistan, as I explained earlier, was semi-precious stone. Mm. Yeah. So these chillums, they were made out of, obviously, soapstone and marble and so on. But basically, you know, you, you obviously put your stuff in the top and you took a drag on it. And uh, uh, you could, you could, you know, it was incredibly strong. I mean, maybe by modern standards, it's a different kind of vibe nowadays, isn't it? So, wait, uh, so these pipes, I was kind of envisioning the ones you see at those, I think, is it Turkish places? Hooker. No, not hookers. No, no, no. no, no, that's no. These, these are about six inches long, and you hold them like that. Oh, I, I actually brought mine back to England. I actually brought oh. three or four of mine back to England. In fact, I think they're still buried in my uh, dad's garden. Turn up at someone's house. I think I've heard them in, in somebody's garden. Yeah, but I actually brought them back. Interesting, which is a bit stupid. Is it some? Well, even I was going to say, is it something now? But even back then, at border control, you would have got apprehended about. That's interesting because we travelled to the border. I've got my passport here. Um, Bit of history for you. So it says here, 
uh, entered Pakistan via Torkham Khyber. So you can check it out on a, on a map later. So I entered Pakistan in Torkham Khyber and I entered Pakistan in the year uh, 1349. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the Islamic calendar is different. Oh, right. oh okay. I thought it was just incompetent officials. No, the yeah, Islamic like... calendar is, is different. So I entered, I entered uh, Pakistan in 1349. Right, uh, so we're going to leave it here this week with Peter crossing the border at Pakistan. Uh, you know my dad, he likes to ramble on a bit, so we're just going to break it up into two podcasts and then in the next one, he's been teasing us, but we're finally going to get the promise of the pterodactyls. I can tell you, it's definitely worth the wait to hear this. You know, as his son, it's uh, good to know that my love in dinosaurs as, as a child was probably bringing back strange memories for him. As uh, always, people, please like and rate us on iTunes. We've recently got a lovely comment of a man who did a similar journey and he said he's been enjoying recounting it and comparing my dad's journey with his so we'd love to see more like that or even just ones about you enjoying the podcast because it helps us get noticed out there and gets us up the rankings and of course you can reach us on twitter and via email uh I, it's been too much of a long break chris you're gonna have to help me here okay i can tell you so you can email us a pint with peter at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter at a pint with Peter. And on the Twitter, you can see photos we post from all of Peter's journeys. He's got photos, he's got notes, uh, even his passport. That's all coming. Yeah, I think that's the fun thing about my dad. He's he's very visual, but he doesn't understand that by showing us these things. Yeah, he does put he does point out things to us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, we'll just have to take photos for the audience. Uh, yeah, which you as you as the listeners, you know, you can't see. Maybe one day he'll realise, but for now, he's going to show us. We, we might just have to go to a video podcast eventually. Oh God! Just have get a YouTube shot for Peter. <laughs> People can see him in his elaborate outfit. But yeah, uh, right. Thanks again, everyone, and on to the next one. We're almost at India. Yeah.